Bitch. Warning. Supernatural The Crossroads contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. To hell with the latest 2017. You betcha. Welcome to Supernatural The Crossroads on Rain Man Digital Crossroads 003. I am your host, Thomas Cowley, and joined with me, as always, is Ryan Denton. Hello! And Michael Flores. Hello! Hey, Today, thief? guys... What? Stealing my intro. You're stealing your intro? God. It has to be Ryan. Ryan's the only one who gets to say words. Uh, right. You don't say the same <laughs> intro word that I say. Anyway, guys, you, today we are talking Hello. about... Hello. Thank you much better. <laughs> I'm dealing with two morons. Can you tell we haven't been in the studio for a little bit? Today, we're talking about a very special, Halatus special, yes. where we go into Kripkinomics, or as we like to call it, blowing Eric Kripke's five years on Supernatural. <laughs> because let's let's face it, guys, no matter what we say, we always seem to gravitate very heavily towards Kripke's time on the show. Which I think is natural due to the fact that it was originally his show. But in this episode here, we're going to take a direct retrospective look at his original five-year run with a focus on what made it work so well. And this includes writing the exact aspects of Kripke's style that made it work as well as it did, whether it was the talent he brought on or the, the way in which he decided to make this show something different and something unique. No matter what he does, it seemed to have captured all of our hearts and minds for millions of viewers for over a decade. Yeah. And not many shows get that. Not many shows get five years. Yeah. And that's that's the thing, Thomas, is that underneath all of that work and, you know, elbow grease, there's there's a method, obviously, because how how has this show managed to hold on to such a massive audience to keep us to yeah. keep us all captivated going on 13 years yep. and you can easily point to the first five seasons because if it wasn't for the first five seasons then eh? you wouldn't have anything else and i mean when you really think about it this isn't something as big as star wars that's the truth of the matter right oh, this, oh, bite your tongue but, thomas but this is a show that started on the cw or at that time the wb with millions of fans across the globe, how many people, showrunners or or writers in general or comic book artists or anybody who creates entertainment would well, kill for a fraction of that? The thing is, like, you know, I, I go to a lot of conventions and things and, and fandoms are something that I'm a part of. And it's really interesting. There's really not too many fandoms, quote unquote, that are like... Supernatural's fandom. It's very interesting when you look at all these, you know, these shows, Fireflies and all these shows that have these, these diehard fans. And I really think Supernatural has one of the better ones, I think, in general. It's, it's to me, it's more. They try. They're fervent. <laughs> no, no, they try to be good people, at least. Yes. Like there's yes. a lot of fandoms that don't even try. That are crappy people. They're just like, fuck you. I hate you. How dare you think this way? At least, even though there's fighting amongst the fandom, at least we all try. Yeah. And I think that's something, like, to come back to Star Wars, I mean, Mike, you're a huge Star Wars fan. Oh, yeah. How vitriolic 
is the Star Wars fan base. Oh, they're evil. They yeah, hate. They evil. are. Everyone loves the original trilogy. Fuck the prequels. I love the prequels. Fuck you. The new movies suck. The yeah. new movies are great. The yeah. extended universe is all that matters. It's the most Ugh. fragmented it's fandom. Hates yeah. everybody. Yeah. Supernatural, like you said, Ryan, is one fandom that it it has that hashtag moniker. It's SPN family. Yep. They really do try to be better people and try to give a shit because we do have this connected thing that we all gravitate towards. And I think a lot of that comes from the main theme of Supernatural, that family doesn't end in blood. And a lot of people have taken that to heart with Supernatural beyond yep. just what a television show normally provides people. And I think that's what really makes it special. But all of that has to come from a starting point. And, you know, whether or not you're a big fan, because I know, shockingly, we've talked to some people who are not Kripke fans. But he does. He did lay the foundation for this. The that, brickwork that blows my mind too. When we've come I across try not people, to be mean, but I, I truly don't understand. How do you like the show and not, not like five years? Yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah, I love sandwiches. I just don't like meat or bread. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I just like the mayonnaise. It's actually oh. really weird. So I just like mayonnaise all over my face, my oh. lips, my mouth. Eat it by the spoon. Yeah, I'm gay, but I don't like penis. Like, no. come on! What are you talking about? <laughs> Wait, so you're a lesbian? Yeah. Well, no. no. Oh. If I'm a man, <laughs> okay. Uh, in this scenario, uh, yeah. If I'm a man, gotcha, gotcha. It, no matter what you analogy you want to use, it doesn't exactly make sense. I'm straight, but I don't like vagina. A straight male. All right. You have that moniker right there. Yeah. No, and and that's the thing. It without those five years, you would not have the twelve years we have now. You just wouldn't. So we are going to take a deeper look into the exact reasons as to why. This system that he set up worked and what allowed it to have as long as a run as it has had. Now, we on the show, we often get very technical and we also get very into the deeper meaning, some of the artistry behind the episodes. I mean, mm -hmm. I remember there was one episode we were talking about how uh, I, oh, I can't remember her name now, but the mother of the Nephilim tried to kill herself in the tub. And that was a direct relation to a painting. Right. You know, we get into some of that stuff. We talk about the writing and, and try and go into it from a different perspective other than just we like it and that's all there is to it. But particularly the uh, the video cast as well. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten so many messages from our Patreon pledgers that always tell us like, man, you guys really get into the technical nitty gritty of each and every episode. And I know we tease ourselves and say we blow Kripke. Yeah, I, I and I always say no, we don't. We just really get into the ta technical aspects on these video casts because yeah. there is so much to get into. I mean, if your college professor who teaches TV writing tells you to watch the pilot episode of Supernatural, which mine did, I mean, come on, there's a thing there's to a it. reason, right? Filmmakers love the first five seasons of Supernatural for a very specific yep. reason. It has to do with many of the technical achievements of the show. And I think when you look back on this, the first few seasons, especially the first couple of episodes, I'd say more than the other parts of the show, it really did push the boundaries in so many technical aspects. So when we do the video cast where we go back to season one, episode one, two, three, there's always something new to talk about. Always. And unfortunately, as 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 much as we love the show, unfortunately, the more recent seasons go to CGI and we kind of know what to expect from them now. When you were watching Supernatural when it first came out, 
every episode could have something completely different from a visual standpoint, a visual effects, cinematography, something new because he brought so many different people to the table. And to be fair, you can say, well, it was because it was a new show. You can say that. You can say that, but this was 2005 when budgets weren't like they were and overarching stories throughout a 24 episode run was not a common thing. Yeah. And and I'm just talking about in, in connection to the new seasons, um, I, I feel like they can still deliver what the earlier seasons did they if, they, if they wanted well, to. And not to say that the that sometimes the they have. They're, yeah, and that's the thing. Absolutely. I, there's been a couple episodes even this season. There's a, there's a handful have, of episodes each season that really that, get into yes, the, exactly. the technical side of things in terms of just filmmaking greatness. But but nothing like the first five seasons, and, and I think we've discussed this on, I can't remember if it was the video casts that are available on Patreon or if it was on our regular broadcast, but we, we, I think we've all come to the same consensus that if they really wanted to, if you had a showrunner who was like Kripke, who, and not to say these new showrunners haven't had their fair share of successes. I'm not saying you had one that was more centrally focused on the cinematography and pushing the filmmaking boundaries. If you had a film geek, a true film geek like Kripke and at the helm for these newer seasons, you would get it. You would be getting a lot of these technical achievements. Uh, We always compare a lot of our discussions and on my shows I do to the whole James Cameron and George Lucas scenario, meaning they really push the boundaries during their career. They didn't just wait for something to happen, to be invented. Right, right. They didn't they didn't write their script in a box thinking, well, I don't think I can do this. They would write the script, then say With no limitations. How, right. How can we do this? And that's something that Kripke did, specifically in the first two seasons of Supernatural. He didn't let his creative mind be, be stifled. Right. By what he can or can't do. He wrote it and then he figured out a way to do it or not to do it. But the point is, is that he wrote it. He wrote it out there and said, guys, let's figure it out. And that's what we saw in in, in the video cast that we're covering. And the first eight episodes we've done now of the first season, it's always come down to some of the technical stuff in terms of in terms of the visual effects where they made it happen. Yeah. And I think horror is a great genre for that experimentation, that experimentation and that concept alone. One of the greatest examples, I think, and, and I'm sure a lot of movie buffs will go with me on this, is uh, The Thing, where yeah. they, they pushed what they could do from Absolutely. a practical standpoint, from a special effects standpoint. I mean, the guy with the double spoiler, the double, double ampu- amputee, oh. when oh. the, the things... double into dildo. Huh? Oh, yeah, that's a different movie. Oh. Oh, that's, that's the dingling. That... It's the spot. It's the oh, horn parody the version. Thing. The dingle, the dingle <laughs> thing. Got it. Got it. My bad. No, but like <laughs> when the thing, when it has the dead body on the table and they open up the jaws yeah. and it bites the dude's arms off. I yeah. mean, they're like, they had all kinds of levers and mechanics to that. They had prosthetics and latex. They found a guy who was an amputee and digitally put the other guy's face on him. Yeah, it was a pretty whole amazing. thing. Because, like Mike said, that was, how do we get this shot? How do we do that? And horror, more than drama or comedy, pushes those boundaries. And we've always, we always say these things on the video cast, but a lot of it has to do with the fact that um, that you you don't see a lot of these types of things happening on regular television, A, because you don't have the budget or the ability by the studio. The studio doesn't allow you to experiment and, and make it happen. So a lot of times you don't have those opportunities and 
one of the reasons why Kripke and company probably had that opportunity for the first season specifically is probably it probably had a lot to do with the fact that WB was on their way out and they knew it. They're like, you know what? Fuck it. Do it. Do whatever you want. You know, we don't care. Yeah. Because Light someone on fire. Not safe. Don't give a shit. Yeah. Well, I think that was the one thing, too, that I with when you watch season one and we've talked about this, you know, in length in, in the episodes that we've covered that. Cripply, Cripply, Ripley, Ripley, <laughs> Ripley's believe it or not. Yeah, no, Cripply, Cripply, um, it's a new thing. Don't worry. So Kripke always found a way within the budget that they had in this in 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 their first five seasons to pull off these shots that even to this day were like, holy crap, man, that yeah. was an awesome they shot. And I think terrifying. Yeah, and it's terrifying at times. And it's like, man, it's it's amazing to me in a five year run with the budget that he had from a TV show that even in the first season when we talked about this in length. That he pulled these shots off with a budget that he didn't know if the next episode was going to happen. Like, yeah. and I think that's what's amazing to me about what he did with what, what he had. I mean, that's, I, I know we're talking about all these special effects, but I mean, really what he had and, and what he had to work with, what he pulled off in the first five years is pretty amazing. Yeah. And I think that goes into one of our first reasons as to why Kripke's run lasted as long as it didn't had the impact that it had especially when you consider it was a it was a network that was on its way out they and, and it was also a whole hodgepodge of different people who didn't know if they were going to have a episode two weeks from now and they've already spent the time working on episode nine yeah right know? right and that is the sheer technical achievements i mean with kripke bringing together the tv veterans like kim manners and john shiban to this show if you come off of x files your next project could pretty much be anything you wanted yeah. at that time. X-Files was, was a landmark show for this style of television where the story has a overarching myth arc, but it also has these monster of the week elements. And I'm sure Kripke took a lot of inspiration from that. And that's why he brought manners on in the first place to do some of those first episodes, right? Because only by pushing the boundaries with a limited toolbox, do you really think creatively? And I, I'm going to sound like an asshole, kind of, but that's what I feel like the more recent episodes or some of the other pitfalls mm-hmm. of the more recent seasons have been. Well, we know what people are going to like, or we have this idea. Let's just go with what we know we can pull off this week. It's not what the fuck can we do different? How are we going to get this to be different and not to say anything again. I feel like we're keeping doing disclaimers, but I yeah. think we have to because a lot of people get very, we very don't hate the new episodes. No, and by people any get means. very sensitive when you're talking about supernatural. And I, I think people can just listen to our shows and know we love the show. But the, the thing about the first season is Google the names behind the first season. Yeah. And you know, Kripke did his job as a showrunner. He brought on just a who's who of writers and directors. And that's something that we don't see almost ever on W or not WB, but the CW almost ever anymore. Yeah. They have this fishbowl now of writers and acting talent from the Vancouver area. And they very rarely reach out into the other areas of the industry, like LA where the big writers and the big right. TV guys are at. And that could also be another thing as well. You don't have those guys that are like, that's been in the business for decades who, yeah. who know their shit inside and out. And it's not just the people and the talent that they have currently at hand, but I think it's some of those ideas. They're in their own kind of fishbowl of ideas. This has worked. We'll just kind of do right. this. I mean, I, I went at length in one of my written articles on the RainmanDigitalMedia.com site where I was saying we needed to have 
when season 12 was starting, they were talking about bringing it back to season one in the beginning mm-hmm. of Supernatural. And they did do a lot of that stuff, but a lot of it was more references, like the cult is back right. and alphas have returned, you know, some of those elements. But what I what I wanted to see more than anything was some different monster designs, which we kind of got at the end of the season with like the Tosh Twigs, Twine and Tasha and Baines. Moloch. And and yeah, that creature in the shadows, you don't know what it looks like idea. So we got some of that, but yeah. I was complaining that eventually you're going to run out of humanoid figures with sharp teeth and different colored eyes. There's only so many colors, right? You know, <laughs> like while Chitters was a creepy episode well, to a lot of people. Yeah. Really, the monster just had different colored eyes and, and the glowing abdomen aspect. We are quickly running out of something. But when you look back at season ones, two, three, they came up with wild ideas and just said, F it. Let's try it. Well, that's and that goes down to reason, too. They, exactly. They, 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 pushing the boundary of what you can do on television. Yeah, they challenged the norm. And it, again, t- transplant tr- or transport back to 2005 on TV. There was nothing being done like this. Th- there wasn't. I mean, serialized television. Not on regular cable shows. Yeah. By not, not a weekly. Yeah. Not no. a weekly thing. Yeah. Serialized, serialized television had not really taken a hold yet of the mainstream. They were still doing the one and done episodes on TV for the most right. part, except for a few shows. Of course, X-Files was doing in the nineties in a lot of ways. They're definitely the contemporary, um, I guess I would say Godfather. Grandfather. Yeah. Of, Herald of-, of the serialized television. They definitely brought it back. And then you had, X- you had uh 24 in 2001. Yeah. But again, for the most part, serialized television was not really sweeping mainstream. And for them to do it on in 2005 on a WB, it, it gave them a very unique situation. Uh, it gave Kripke and the crew a, a little niche to work in that was not being used. And and because of that, they managed to be at the forefront of the golden age of television. And the golden, arguably, the golden age of television definitely started between 2005 and 2007. That's yeah, when yep. you started seeing a lot of shows start changing and really focus on personal stories and, you know, relatable themes and real to life characters, you know, the anti hero, huge, very big actors. Yeah. And very cinematic sequences. Yeah. No more, you know, TV shows looking brightly lit. They were all trying to look for that cinematic look. And and there was yeah. an emphasis on the writing room, uh, whereas before things weren't really looked at, you mm-hmm. know, as, hey, we can do what they do in movies frank darabont was not thought of of doing television until 2009 right he was shawshank and he was green mile yeah you know that things were starting to change at this time and i think the great aspect that the great opportunity they had was that because of that mentality they had a different little niche that they also had a niche audience for Mm -hmm. if you wanted to watch something horror Related, you went to the movie theater and you watched old slasher movies. There wasn't a TV thing. And you rewatched the X-Files if you were lucky. Supernatural was something completely different with a much younger demographic. Mm -hmm. By the time Supernatural came out, the X-Files were how old? I mean, they were mostly the 90s, right? Yeah, I think so. What was the runtime? Does anybody know? I think think X-Files ended in 2001, I believe. So if you were a kid when X-Files was over and you're about my age at that time, I would have been like 15 when Supernatural started. Yeah. You know, X-Files, I couldn't watch it. I was a kid. It it was not part of my demographic. But now there's a new opportunity, another uh, generation. You know what? That's a great point. Supernatural could very well be, 
your generation's X-Files. It really was in a lot of ways. X-Files was kind of old at the time when I watched Supernatural, but yeah. I was getting into horror because Resident Evil 4 had just came out in 2005 and there was this new show, Supernatural. And I started to, this is where I started to cultivate that appreciation for horror. And it's a huge part of my life today because this was the first thing I got in on the ground floor. There was nowhere else to watch this stuff unless I wanted to go to the movie theater, but yeah. I was too young because I was 15. So in a lot of ways, they carved out this little niche and made the absolute best out of it. The One of the best ways to make the best of something is to do the absolute best you can with some of that cinematography, especially when this was the beginning of, as Mike says, the golden age of television, mm -hmm. which with a lot of that comes with a totally different feel. This is where it makes something that you're watching not feel like the sitcom where you're starting to wonder because you're getting older, like, why do I never see the other side of this room? Oh, because it's a stage and that's mm -hmm. all there is. You know, Supernatural, the way that that cinematic feel, the onsets with the good lighting and the, you know, the cinematography, it feels like a more real world. It's not, you know, the apartment that it's, somehow you can afford in New York despite working as a, you know, mid-level architect. <laughs> if there's someone, if there's someone in the room that, that, would notice something like lighting. That's actually something I was going to comment about because I, I definitely feel like in Kripke's run, the lighting on, on the sets was so much different. I yes. feel like it was, it was much more gritty. It was much more real. Like it you said, was true to horror inspiration. Right. And I think that was the one thing for me that I really, that stands out because I'm, I'm not a guy that looks at stuff like that. I'm more to watch the show and, and, and enjoy it. And I think when I, when I notice something like that, is is very real and it shows that the person that is running the show and 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 doing that has an idea of what the standard viewer I would that's what I'm going to call myself a quote unquote call myself the standard viewer right might notice and I think that's what something that I I definitely notice about the first five seasons is the is the lighting and it's, there's a couple episodes in season one uh it's the uh, I don't God I can never remember the name of it it's, it's okay they can go to patreoncom slash Rayman Digital there, there you go yeah. and uh, <laughs> and pledge and they can find out your full thoughts on cinematography Ooh, and, and which episode everyone it is. really cares about my full thoughts well, you actually have some great thoughts you actually uh, from you, the average person who doesn't isn't educated in that stuff. Yeah. You pick up on a shit. So yeah, ton. guys, go to Patreon and so find stupid. out what episode I was talking about. Ryan, <laughs> I was trying to be like genuinely nice, and he turns into being a douche. Ryan douches it down on Patreon. <laughs> Look, he really I gotta, douche, I gotta douche it up, guys. No, you douche it down on, on the Patreon oh, oh, shows. Oh, oh. oh, do I? Yeah, you oh. do. Yeah, but no, you I, play I, in the mud with me and Thomas, and <laughs> you do. I definitely think that the lighting is something that I, I wanted to comment about because I, even with what we're we're getting now, and and I love the episodes now, but I think that lighting is just something that sets the first five seasons yeah, apart from it everything. Is. And it's not just the lighting; it's the uh, um, it's the framing. Yeah, it's the overall cinematography in general. There's a lot of symbolism mm -hmm. and uh, surges uh, and surges cinematography in the first season a lot of it has to do with what's on the the script of course but the director the 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 showrunner and the cinematographer all get together before the episodes for the most part exchange notes and they figure out what they want to say what's the message and that's something that the first five seasons really did with cinematography it wasn't just the lighting which is amazingly gorgeous but the framing as well and that's something that we get into a little bit on uh in these newer newer episodes mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. when we discuss weekly but but i mean on patreon they, we've spent a good chunk of the episode 
talking about that's the all, that's that's yeah. all we do for the most part Absolutely. We, in fact we talk more about the technical aspects outside of the because we already know the reasons why this happened and this happened so we really focus on the technical aspect and break down the frames and the shots and why they did this i and know did people that. aren't a huge fan of the wendigo episode oh, we love we, it we talk yeah, we about really that. like it that's yeah. one of the greatest examples of lighting we want some people over I think we did. We want some yeah. people over when they listen. Like, you know what? Never liked the show, but, you know, that episode. But once you guys broke it down, it really made a lot of sense. And you know what? I didn't know how much effort went into it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that that's something that the, that's really, you know, won a lot of people over in terms of the academic cir- circles as well when it comes to film geeks. It is the framing. Getting it back to that. There's a lot of symbolism and there's a lot of uh, messages in the framing. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's a lost art in in television nowadays i hate to say it because now we're leaving the golden age of television you're seeing you're seeing a lot of that just get the shot and go there's more than one way to tell a story it's not just through the obvious writing or the subtext it's also can be done through the imagery chosen yeah i mean that was how silent films were you had to know what was going on based solely on what you saw that that's not the same anymore yeah but you know, besides just the lighting, I we talk about how season one had a ton of great Monster of the Week episodes, and I think what definitely helped sold that was reason number four, which was visual effects, both practical and CGI. Right. I mean, for the Patreon episode where we talked about episode seven, Hookman, we talk, we go to at least ten minutes about how we they into, did the wall ripping scene at the God, end of the that's episode, such a cool scene. and whether Fuck. that was practical, did it have special effects? It couldn't have been because there was particles in the air that you can see. And how difficult that had to have been, again, with a show that had no future. Yeah. It had no future at that time. You know? And the fact that you had this nice mix of CGI and practical effects. I mean, one of my favorite episodes is Home. Because of the poltergeist that's on fire coming out of the closet. If you guys go back and watch that episode, it's fucking terrifying. Because it looks like there's really someone there. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, again... This show, excuse me, this show pushed the boundaries in that way. You know, how can we get away with not just how do we physically do it, but how do we do something to a point where we won't get censored immediately? Yeah. Despite being a horror show, how do we show people getting eaten and people dying and being frankly butchered in some ways? And again, remember, this is 2005. This is before before Game of Thrones and Walking Dead. This is before the censorship board, you know, started to get more lenient. You know, only this recently late night television where you could do what you wanted. Yeah. Only recently has network television allowed more and that they've only yeah. done that. And uh, as a way to kind of counterbalance or counteract the fact that they're losing audiences to the, you know, paid cable and Netflix, and cable. HBO, yeah. those aspects where you can get away with whatever you want. So there was a lot of creative thought being put into those those violent, horrific scenes. And it sh- it's a great way to show you that, hey, you know, there's more than one way to to scare someone besides gore. Yeah. I mean, you look at one of the episodes like Dead in the Water. There's not really anything. There's nothing that you see <laughs> until the very end. And even then, and it's still it creeps me out to this day. Dude, that shot is so creepy. And we, uh, we I know go, exactly what you're talking again, about. Again, we a lot we of go it's fueled through, through psych- you know, psychology. Uh, yeah. Dude. It's it's yeah. all horror is entry level psychology. Yep. What scares us? The thing that goes bump in the night. Clowns. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the the fact that when it's daylight and you're watching some scary video or you hear a noise in the hallway, you're like, the fuck's that? 
you don't really think about it. At night, all of a sudden, that is a six foot five axe murderer oh. with a massive erection waiting just oh, to kill you. Wow, massive erection. Massive erection. It's even more terrifying. Is he going to kill you or is he going to rape you? Which it, one? You don't know. That's why it's terrifying. Is he in a clown costume? Yes. No, but that's. Is Am squeezing his dick or something? Yeah. His his six foot five inch dick. It expands like one of those stress balls. Yeah, it's it, dude. He's, he pulls it and the eyeballs pop out. Uh-huh. Oh, his dick God. has eyes and nose. All right, and, all right. We're uh-huh. gonna stop that right now. <laughs> hey, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is entry level psychology, and that they capitalize on that both from what you do see with the visual effects and what you don't see. And that has a lot to do. The whole psycho- psychological aspect of things again crosses into reasons. You know, uh, three, four, and five, which the fifth one is production design. And that has a lot yeah. as well to do with your story as well as some of the horror. If you're not dressing your set, if you're not truly making that set pop, and, and then the amount of research that goes into the occult, I mean, you got to make your things look legit. Otherwise, it's going to look like, you know, some C-grade college horror film yep. wannabes. Yep. It'll look terrible. Because that's 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 the downside of horror. Sometimes if you don't have... There's your, only really good and bad. Yeah. And if you don't have your production design down-packed and your cinematography down, you're not going to succeed. Yeah. And frankly, people make fun of you. Yeah. And Jer- Jer- I believe Jerry Wenick, I believe is the production designer's name. He has been on board for 13 years and the guy continues to do great jobs. Again, I have to say the first five seasons are the strongest in terms of production design. But again, that has a lot to do with the showrunner and his image and her or his vision. Their for- style. Right. Yeah. You know, and I think ultimately it all comes down to the fact that Supernatural really was Reason six here, Supernatural really was at the forefront leading that charge of the golden age of television where you had to watch every episode, not just because it was a great show or each one was fun to watch in its own con- like compartmentalized little way. But there was more to it every episode, whether it was the beginning five minutes or every couple episodes, you got a big piece of the main story. It really was the ones that started to set the bar in a different way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, just to recap, because then we got to go to a very quick break, Thomas. But just to recap, these six reasons we just went through, Thomas and Ryan, these weren't even the Kripkenomics rules of writing. These were just the six reasons as to why or our reasons, our our, our line of thinking, our line of thinking as to how and why this show has managed to capture the hearts and minds of millions of people around the globe. Those are our six reasons as to why the first five seasons helped in grabbing a hold and not letting go. Yeah. Yep. Not even the t- not even our rules of writing yet. No. Thomas. And that's the thing is like not even the writing aspect, which I think any fan knows that is the absolute backbone of this show in so many ways. If you didn't have that, you wouldn't have a ten year long run. So with that, guys, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get into the writing aspects in just a moment. Pilatus is a bitch. Evil bitch. The Rain Man Show. The Rain Man Show. (laughs) But anyways, there's been a recent trend pattern that I've seen Randy and you have. And and it took me a while to notice. And I think the couple couple shows ago when we found out those secrets, I've noticed that (laughs) Randy... Is doing it, doing what women probably should do, the smarter thing. Rather than 
finding the douchebag in the pile of douchebags. You know, the hot guy with abs and a pierced penis and pierced nipples. <laughs> what she does is she gets a goofy gamer who's tall and lurching. <laughs> Thanks. So stupid. Good <laughs> and then she realizes she has an eye for hotness. So she's like, you know what? He has the ability to be very hot. So she gets someone who's not very intimidating. Oh, and she Jesus. turns them into the next Jason Momoa. <laughs> it is true. She won't let me cut my hair. She has completely changed you since she met you in terms of you your might parents. You onto something. She has gotten your dick pierced. She's gotten your nipples pierced. <laughs> she sent me a message before the show asking me to fat shame you so you lose weight. <laughs> For more Rain Man, visit RainManShow.com. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you do just about anything for it? Well, that's exactly how we feel about you. That's right. AdamandEve.com wants you so bad. We're giving you 10 free gifts with your first order. You heard me right. That's 10 free gifts to spice up your love life. First, you'll get a sexy surprise for her. Second, an adventurous toy for him. And third, a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus, you'll get six full-length adult movies on DVD. And number 10, free shipping on your entire order. That's 10 free gifts for you shy types who've never tried Adam and Eve before. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy, a sexy piece of lingerie, or anything you desire. Just enter offer code DEAL30 at checkout and you'll get all 10 free gifts, including free shipping. That's offer code DEAL30. That's D-E-A-L-30 at adamandeve.com. This is Star Wars from the Butter Tank Exclusive. That operational. Remember when, when the whole Josh Trank thing happened, I wanted to pull my hair out. And they ruined it for themselves. And that's why I don't feel sorry for them. I do not feel sorry for him. Just like I didn't feel sorry for Josh Trank losing himself on the set of Fantastic Four so much that the producer for um, the, the other untitled standalone film did not want him on board the movie saying he is a complete loose cannon who hides himself behind the video village and, and, and tucks away the camera so no one could see the monitor, no one could see the footage. I mean, you can't do that! <laughs> Can I see the dailies? No! Nope. These dailies are mine. These are my dailies. Quit judging me. Like these people. Why can't you guys take a a, a page from Gareth Edwards? Yeah, dude. They're, they're Josh Trank, Bill Lord, Chris Miller. You're gonna find them uh, in about three years sucking dick in the alley. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they have no career. Dude, I, I'm telling you right now. They may have a career if they want to do their own independent films. They're done, dude. I honestly think, yeah. They're done. Josh yeah. Trank has not recovered still from, from the disaster of Fantastic Four and the horrible bridges he burned when he got fired before he even got... No, he did get fired from the standalone Star Wars film. Yeah. He didn't He didn't just burn those bridges. He napalmed them. Yeah. And he, there's they're no, going to be in the same alley with Jar Jar. <laughs> Me so sucking dick today. Yeah. You guys got to help? <laughs> <laughs> Me so <some> embarrassed. <laughs> Oh, okay then. I suck dick for Imperial Credits. TheBathTheTank.com For more details and get ready for an excitingly good time. Also, if you've missed our last show, 
Yes, yes, of course I agree, 100%. High time we met. To hell with the latest 2017. (laughs) Welcome back, everyone. Supernatural, the crossroads. Now that we've taken all of those points into account, the crossroads points as to why Kripke's run did so well, we're going to start talking about what is the most important element of the show and of his style, which was the writing. Which, again, if we didn't have the backbone that is the right the writing, we would not have had 10 years plus of this show. Now, full disclosure, it is very important that we mention some listeners, including Stop Haunting Me, both on Twitter and Fandom Natural, have let us know that there, while there is a lot of love for Kripke, there is this common misconception that he had a five-year plan. That is something that we've even said on this show. That is not the case. There is evidence to show that he had you know, a lot of, like any show, are we going to have another season? What do we go from here? How do we change things? But but we do want to say, despite the fact that he may not have had an exact blueprint to follow, there is no doubt in, I believe, definitely anybody in the Crossroads room here, our mind and many others, there's no doubt that he knew where he wanted the story to go. Not exact details as to when are angels going to be introduced, do I even want angels? Right. But the ideas of family, the themes, and how the story of Sam and Dean progresses and how they change his characters. You don't spend 10 years working on a pilot, working on a pilot without knowing what direction. (laughs) You don't do that. No. Do you know a, B, C, D, E, F, G, no. Do you Fuck know no. Do you know A and Z? Absolutely. Yes. You know where maybe, you want to start. Maybe J. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. You, you are going to know that, especially if you're Kripke, who is a writing guru, and you spent 10 years on your pilot. Yeah. If you spent 10 years on your pilot and you don't know A and Z, no what, one's were, take were you show. just whacking it the whole time for bro, 10 years trying it, to say you were writing? Bro, if you spend 10 years on your pilot and it and it doesn't go for like past the season, you should probably slit your wrists. Yeah. Just give up. Yeah. Just like get in a tub, go down. <laughs> oh, just, just okay. Hold turn on. Turn on some, hold like, on. you know, Call, turn on some good music. Okay. But first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Don't yeah, listen to Ryan. Yeah. Call Jared's <laughs> hotline, the suicide hotline immediately. And then do not just listen kill to yourself. Ryan. No, don't. <laughs> because 10 years of writing. And you, you, you don't know where you're going. You should probably just end it all. I would or, just or say just quit. shift careers. I would just say just quit. that. Yeah. You don't have to end it. Go pick up. I go pick up a rake. Maybe, maybe put some pen down. shears and like start landscaping. All right. <laughs> Mike's house. Why could does use it go it? to landscaping? Is it because you're Mexican? Yes. No, it's because his house could use it. So now oh. you're. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, you're low blow. now you're ra- now you're being racist. You're telling people to commit suicide. <laughs> and now you're racist. What are you talking? I'm just about? saying you have a bad lawn. Yeah, and that's about, not talk, a euphemism. I'm talking about Ryan. I, oh, I'm okay. I'm, a, I'm okay with the truth, which means my lawn right now is horrible. Right, that's okay. It's honestly a jungle. It is. It is a jungle. No, but he had to have some idea of, like Mike said, A to Z, maybe J. But yeah. you don't have everything thought out unless you are a novelist. Nobody has every aspect. That's a thought lot. Out. That's a lot to, yeah. especially for a TV show. You're where, not allowed to even have a TV show if you can't. Tell them how it's going to go. Yeah, you have to show that you, you have, have longevity. Ending. You have yeah. to. Yeah. Well, okay, that's a great idea. Where do we go with the next two seasons? Um, um, uh, uh, well, uh, I didn't think that far ahead. Right. Ooh. Yeah, no show. No Call in Andrew Dab. Call Dab. Oh, dude. What, what happened? 
No, but in the writing room, <laughs> in the writing room, hey, especially Sarah Gamble. What, what Kripke can see to the future. He's all, well, there's a guy who's going to take over for me in, 12 about, years from now, in about 12 years. Who's me. just going to write at random. Like, there's a couple people that are going to take not, over. He's not going to really have a, a real plan. Why he's are just, you yelling? We're in the same conference room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there's a couple people that are going to, I can see into the future. There's a couple people that are going to take over after me that they're going to make my first five years look amazing. Security, we need. So, uh, we have an issue in the room. So we're just talking about 12 years <laughs> from now. Security. He's yeah. right. He, that's how he came up with Timeless. Anyway, he's gonna he's never gonna do the show. But I wouldn't be surprised to- if we go to like San Diego Comic Con, he goes out to us and just elbows hey, the fuck out of our ribs. And like, oh, the shit. <laughs> no, but when it comes to the writing room, you can't have everything thought out because you're working with additional people. And Kripke did a great example of that by working with singer and sarah gamble taking ideas from that we we know that while kripke may have had a general idea for some of the show singer was one who really pushed for the character development and the personality of these people and making that be a part a major part of the forefront and yeah and I, i'm never going to take away from what robert singer has done for the oh, show no. but you know what there's pr- plenty of executive producers out there who have ideas and give nudges over to showrunners and guess what the showrunner does whatever the fuck he wants right kripke was smart enough to take listen it to good ideas and write it mm-hmm. and and sarah gamble too she had great ideas the ideas of the angels for the most part was her idea yeah and kripke took it and ran with it and made it great and i think that's one of the biggest examples of a great showrunner is well, same with a director not just do what you want to do but listen to the people around you, you and to. take the best ideas and run forward with them. Don't take every idea. We know that's not a good idea. Don't listen, to, don't listen to the fans for everything we want. Yeah. We make up dumb ideas ourselves. But take good ideas yeah, and fire. run with it. Blue fire. Hashtag <laughs> blue fire. Which leads us all to number one rule for Kripke's... <laughs> number one rule number of yeah. Kripke Nomics. Rule number one, don't be an idiot and pick a lane know the story and its mode of transport now Kripke knew he wanted to tell a story about the brothers and their the element of fate and what they would ultimately have to be faced with and he also knew the genre in which he wanted to use to create a motif that would keep the story cohesive keep the story intact Mm -hmm. and the fact of the matter is you have to know your genre if you're going to write about it yeah you can't I'm going to do science fiction don't know shit about it you can't do that. You yeah. have to know something because it's not just elements that other fans are who are into that are going to pick up on. Yep. But there are rules to each genre. Yep. You cannot just shift them as you want. You can you have to know the rules to stick to them, but also enough to bend and break you gotta, them when yeah, it needs it. Bend. That's, bend, not break. Bend. You have to bend. That's exactly break. what I was going to say. Yeah. Well, if you're going too fast, sometimes it bends too hard and it kind of breaks. Well, you, you don't want to wrench breaking, it. You don't want to wrench it. That's like making it twist. Ooh, oh, Maybe all right. A little. We're not playing Pac-Man here, is what oh, we're saying. Oh, it's oh, gotcha. It's not a gear shift. Oh, <laughs> if it's a if if it was a gear shift, would it be like Vin Diesel eight gears? Oh, Nine gears. No, stop. Like Fast and Furious. Anyway, so stupid. And, but you know what? That's something that I always always harp on, Thomas. And all of my shows that I do, I always harp on genre because once you understand your genre. You can then start fleshing out 
the characters based on that genre. And I'm not, yeah. and I'm not saying you have to stick to all the rules or the archetypes of that genre, but you no. have to for the most part. And if you're trying to do a horror, there's certain things that you have to do with your protagonist. There's certain things you got to do with the antagonist. There's certain themes mm-hmm. that you have to include. But you said one key thing, Thomas, before we got on a tangent on bent penises. <laughs> And oh, that's what we were talking about, right? right? Okay. Yeah, I just to make it sure was dicks. it didn't, go, didn't go over my head. No, right? yeah, it, it went, right, right, in your it went face. right in my mouth. Right in your mouth. Okay, good. Yep. So I caught it. Sometimes on the eyes. <laughs> you said bend <laughs> or break rules, and that's absolutely right. That's the first thing you learn when you're learning how to write. When you're learning how to shoot a movie, write a movie, you learn your rules first. Mm-hmm. Make sure you understand them fully, then you can break those rules. Yeah, and that's something. The, one of the first things you need to understand about your story is what am I writing? What am I going to write? Genre, then the characters, and then it all starts coming out. And that's the thing, too, is it's the best way to get something familiar that people will gravitate towards, will latch on. But by bending and breaking those rules occasionally, it allows you to still subvert expectations. You know, a a great example for your classic stories that we all know of is the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. If you have seen Star Wars, A New Hope, you have seen this. Frankly, if you've seen nearly any movie, you have seen this. There's all kinds of different steps where it's the inciting incident. You know, the they go off on a journey, the refusal of the call, the weakest moment of their life and coming around. There's all these little tentpole elements to telling that story. But it's only by knowing each part of that and how it's supposed to go that you can change that in a way that doesn't ruin the story you're trying to tell, but also catches people off guard. A great example of this is Game of Thrones. For those of you who don't like for it to be obvious in your face, Game of Thrones is a good example of I thought this was going to happen. Completely different thing. Talk about 180, dude. They 180 the shit out of you in that. And, And Game of Thrones to me is very in your face about it. And once you learn that, you it's very obvious going back. Yep. Supernatural, I think, did a great job, especially with Kripke's run, where you didn't know what to expect throughout the seasons, but you kind of knew where things were going. It was still familiar. That's why I think so many people were blown away when Dean actually goes to hell at the end of season three. Yeah, that really did shock a lot of people. He comes back from the dead, and the whole time I'm like, how the fuck did this happen? Angels didn't occur to me once until Castiel said it. You know, things like that to where you... It surprises you, but when you look back, you're like, fuck that. Of course, that makes sense. Well, okay. You, you talk about the, uh, the classic hero's journey, okay, and all the steps they need to go through. That's an example of bending the genre. Yeah. Understanding the rules because Kripke started writing a horror. And then he said, well, most horror movies don't have their protagonists go through the classic steps of the hero's journey. And that's where he bent the rules. Yeah. And that's what helped the show move forward into more than just one season or even two seasons or three seasons. It's that classic hero's journey. And this is, again, pointing to picking a lane and sticking with it and understanding your genre. This helps the writers understand the type of adventures that your characters are going to go on and what they're going to encounter both physically and psychologically. Yeah. And if you if you guys Google the hero's journey and look at some of the steps, you can point out exact points, not just in the seasons one through five, but the characters themselves. Oh, absolutely. Especially oh, yes. Sam. I feel personally. Oh, I Sam does a, yeah. to the fucking T. 
sticks to the hero's journey. Well, he's the Luke Skywalker, if he's, you remember. He is. But it, but when you're watching he's the, it, he's the Frodo. Yeah, he really is. So so Dean Samwise. Yes, Gamgee? he he holds Sam's burden, and I'm not meaning yeah. that as a joke. That's he, it. Really is. He, yeah, that you look at that. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. You look at the hero's journey. You can go to thewritersjourney.com, mm. and they have a lot of literary um, examples, to dos, I guess, oh, or, yeah, or, yeah, or um, okay. instructional um, material. <laughs> Tutorials. Okay. They, they teach tutorials. you how they, uh, I can't. They, yeah, tutorials. Okay. They show hard. examples of how that works. And you're yeah. right, Ryan. Really, in seasons one through five, Dean is Sam. Samwise Gamgee from Lord of the Rings. He's the one who helps Sam carry this burden. Sam's the one who ultimately ends up sacrificing himself in the end. Frodo may not have died, but who he is changes fundamentally. And Absolutely. that's why he's not happy true. back yeah. in the Shire. And that's why he has to leave to go to the Greylands across the sea. Only then is he happy. And Dean slash Sam Samwise Gamgee still gets that life with the family at the end. There's very strong parallels to even that story of Lord of the Rings and stopping evil. They're so, could, and again, you can compare it back to what Kripke's original inspiration was for both Sam and Dean, and that's Luke and Han Solo. Yeah. And look at the same thing. Luke was that was that Frodo, and Han Solo was the reluctant hero as well, who ended up getting sucked in and could never yep. go back. Yeah. And and only when you know that does it become super obvious. But what's great about it is throughout the show, you don't feel like you're being led along that path. You know, all the way. No, through it's season very five. subtle. It's not in your face. No. You don't realize you're watching an epic unfold. You you don't. And I think that's one of the greatest parts about it because, again, for me, watching so much of that, every time a new episode came out that was major lore established, like the angels or like all pretty much all of season five, I was holding my breath and I was like, yeah. "Holy fuck, how's this going to play out?" It wasn't until season four that I realized this was an epic. Yeah, it was a slow burn where you're like, holy shit, this is more than just what and it all made sense. You started yeah. with the introduction with the introduction of Castiel. It exactly. just everything. That's a turning point. Yeah, everything just came to a head. And you're like, wow, this is what we've been watching. Everything has been leading down this path. Yeah. And we even have the elements of rejecting the their destiny throughout season four and five that they will find their own path. These are all exactly from that template. In yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. And in a nutshell, th this is the importance of understanding and knowing your genre. Yes. There is there is room for deviation. But for the most part, this is what helps the story find direction until the writers can truly find their feet. And that's what happened in the first season. They they picked they picked a lane. They stayed in it. And then once they found their feet, they were able to deviate a bit. They understood the rules of what they were doing. And they then what they wanted to change. Exactly. And in a lot of ways, I think that's a direct contrast to later seasons, mm -hmm. because in later seasons, you kind of know where the story may be going. We had a lot of questions throughout season 12, but it's not easy at all to point to the elements of literature, the elements of storytelling in the later episodes to where you're like, OK, this happened because of this reason. Things happen because they happen and it leads to another season. Yes. But the exact pathway for these characters motivations and what happens to them from a complete story element is rather lacking it's not as strong and i don't think there's it's not trying to be mean it's just it's just not there yeah now thomas i have to interrupt for a moment here we only have about 10 more minutes oh my god we have 10 more minutes we have a lot of shit a lot more material to get through but we are going to be continuing part two of the writing rules Cryptonomics rules to live by. 
We'll be continuing it on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Digital. You'll be able to get the part two video cast and audio version on there. So if you want to hear us continue to talk about the writing instances and like the, all the little nuances as to why just this more show of the rules succeeded. as to from a written standpoint, from a storytelling standpoint, why Kripke's era, especially at the time in which it came about, was so unique. So again, guys, if you want to get a part of that, check out the Patreon page patreon.com slash rainman digital it'll have cryptonomics part two where we'll go into further this more of these details do, do you think we can go into one more rule do we not have enough time i think we could go into one more you think so i think so okay well let's, then let's do one let's, more rule. let's give everybody one more rule there's a total which, of five rules which fits what we're trying to do right now which is shit or get off the pot yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do that all the time where you have there's a difference between a season arc and a myth arc and you have to know when to stick with a story and when to move on from an idea when it has run its course completely. Mm-hmm. And again, I feel like this is something that later seasons don't exactly adhere to or very in loosely Gamble's case, jump the gun right. or the shark or or the uh, Jefferson Starship. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here, oh, plucky yeah. penny whistle. That's another uh, Patreon element we're going to talk about, the missed opportunities in Season 6. There's a lot more to talk about with yeah. that. How many of those have we done now? Three? Three. We still have three There's more. There's at least three more, dude. Oh, God. <laughs> it makes me so sad. Yeah. But this is one thing that Kripke was a master storyteller about. Yes. And again, he was a big fan of X-Files, which shows every part of the beginning of this show but knowing when to stick with something and when something should end for example let's look at seasons one through five real quick yellow eyes is the main antagonist of seasons one and two which leads to a big turning point where the devil's gates open and all kinds of demons and from hell break loose the events of the end of season two directly lead into the entire plot point for season three and dean ultimately ends up going to hell that right there is where the season arc ends we move on from that story. Season four is not more of that. Season four jumps immediately into he's returned, and now angels are a big part of this. And the fact that demons were freed from hell in season two leads into why they're trying to free Lucifer in season four. The myth arc for seasons one through five all makes sense when you look at it as a whole, but each season has its own little internal season arc that it sticks to. Characters come, characters go. They never overstay their welcome. And it's very important to keep the show moving in a cohesive way. The, you know, and that's borrowing some of the best elements of storytelling from the shows he liked, like X-Files. But it, I, I know some people disagree, but I never felt like seasons one through five had any elements that were rushed or too long. No, I feel like everything, they perfectly. everything meshed. And, and when they ended they didn't really end they almost like it was almost like they a pass into the next it was like a passing of a baton saying okay mm. this is the next iteration next this is chapter. the next evolution of this of this villain the the way the villains worked i don't want to get into that too much but I, they the, the myth arcs were always tied into the villain and the villains always worked cohesively with each other and and that's something that as you were saying we just don't see that in the early in the new seasons anymore you don't you have endings yeah. Because they feel like they need to end because we've reached episode the, 22. All we can talk about with it. And I think a great example, if you look at seasons one through five, Yellow Eyes is two seasons, but the first season is the end of their dad's story of finding him. That right. They could not drag out trying to find dad for two, three, four, five seasons. It had to be one and have that story be done. You know, Lilith 
being throughout seasons three and four went a little bit longer, but it led up into Lucifer, which is a perfect one season story. A different season where they felt like they had a season arc, but didn't really know what they were doing with it. Unfortunately, season 10 for me has always stuck out. The Mark of Cain was a big element, but it was kind of a leftover from season nine that's fed into the events that happened for 10. But 10 itself didn't have any leading point until the very last episode where we introduced the darkness. Yeah. There's a lot of just kind of moseying about in season 10. I mean, ending ideas. That's kind of what this next this yeah. rule is about is season arcs knowing when to move on and when ideas have run its course and ideas are not just story concepts it could also be things like characters absolutely characters were used abused and killed very rarely did we ever look back at those characters i mean yeah. kripke always kept sight on the priority which was dean and sam and this is another character element with season 10 that i feel like a lot of people felt was mishandled and i think this is exactly why that is which was charlie Charlie was around for, frankly, longer than she should have been. She became a huge fan piece, and she was good in the very beginning and good at the very end. But we had a lot of episodes there, was there a lot of stuff in where the she was just Felicia Day on Supernatural, and yep. it didn't feel like her purpose on the show was relevant anymore. Kripke's era, as you said, killed off ideas. We wanted more Ellen and Joe, but it was taken away from us. We wanted more Ash as well, and he was taken just, away and he from was us. killed for a reason, even though it was abrupt and it probably could have been handled better in that regard but there was a reason why ash was introduced and then they were done with him and that was the beautiful thing about the first five seasons is that there wasn't a lot of you know like glitz and glam for no reason it was it wasn't stripped. just fun episodes because we liked the guest star right it as, was stripped as cruel to the basics. as that may sound they were there to tell the story it was stripped to the basics yeah and that's what was needed i feel so that you could spend more time less on the fan service episodes by returning guest appearances put your hands together because so-and-so is going to be here next week yeah and they could focus more on the development of the stories and the multiple layers of these characters and it's one of it's one of those stephen king quotes you have to kill your darlings sometimes oh you have to or take beat it you have to take out characters that you love, but because it makes sense for the overarching plot. And that's a big difference between ending a season arc and ending a myth arc. So let's just recap the first two rules. The first two rules, don't be an idiot and stick with your plan. Pick a lane. Know where your story's going to go, even if you don't know every twist and turn along the way. Followed by shit or get off the pot, where you have to make clear cut decisions as to when a story is going to start a little myth arc or a, a little season arc or the myth arc and where it's going to end. And this is both ideas for the main plot mm -hmm. and down to even characters. You got to know when to cut stuff and you got to know when to keep going. So with that, guys, we're going to take a break here. This is going to be the end of part one. Thank you all for listening. If you are interested in listening more to what we have to say and listening and seeing Ryan's face i was gonna yeah. say what? handsome face handsome oh. face but I, like, wow, I can't, that's so I can't nice i thought you said his o face like what well they'll Maybe see that, that too well, they, they've already seen they're that. gonna see that head sure. over to patreon.com slash rainman digital and you will see all the ways in which you can sign up help us out with the show lets us do more and you'll see ryan's o face oh on oh. part two of cryptonomics and you they find out three more rules oh my god it's oh. more dun, than dun, two dun. thank you guys for listening and we will see you all next time little maggot you are no longer a part of this story hey ass butt